We are uh, into the third week of the book of Proverbs. We uh, said we're going for about ten weeks. And uh, the design is to actually look at and ask the question, what is wisdom? How do we live into uh, God's divine wisdom? There's a teaching in James that says that some wisdom is earthly and spiritual of the world. And then there is this divine wisdom, this wisdom that comes from above. And so we've been looking at wisdom. First week we looked at the idea that wisdom is a posture and that wisdom is a way. It's a certain way we can live our life. It's a certain journey that we're on. That we don't think of wisdom just as this collective group of ideas or thoughts or knowledge that if I collect a little bit more of it, I'm in some way wise. But that the very way we walk in the world, the very posture we have with people, begins to exude the wisdom that we have. If that makes sense. Then last week, Kevin talked about the idea of discipline. And he challenged us to lean into what we already know we need to do. Many of us have grown up with a, a very clear awareness of the truth. And so he challenged us to say, live into that and allow the Spirit to be the one that empowers you to do it. And today, what we're going to do is talk about making wise choices. The word for today is hold. I'll explain why in a little bit. But <clears throat> we want to talk about this idea of making wise choices. Now, that, not the type of choices, today I'm not talking about the type of choices that are clear obedience issues, okay? So don't, don't plan on hearing anything about, hey, there are certain blacks and whites in Scripture. God makes it really clear the way He desires for us to live. And this is real simple, follow what He says, it's always the wisest way, right? We could end the sermon there if that was the direction we were going to go. Follow what Jesus teaches, but what we're going to do more today is talk about what is it like to make wise choices in the everyday decisions of life. Let me give you some examples. When we're trying to figure out our direction in life, I don't know how many of you I've talked to that are just going, I, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm headed with life. Or maybe you're wanting to make wise choices with your relationship to money. That all of us have a relationship to money. What does that look like, and how do we handle that? Or maybe, for some of you, it's you're still trying to figure out what you're going to major in, and just keep trying to figure it out. For others of you, maybe it's, do we have a baby, do we not, do we buy a house, do we not, what is my relationship with work, should I take a promotion, should I not, should I relocate, should I not, what is my relationship with sex, what does that look like? So there's all these areas or issues of life, right? And for some people, making choices about these kinds of things, uh, it comes with mixed emotions. Some of us love to make these kinds of choices. We love to have the opportunity. We're, we're faced with two maybe diametrically opposed ideas or two really great pathways to choose, and we're like, man, I'm excited to figure that out. Others of us just fear that. We hate that. We just wish the decision would make itself. That we wouldn't have to be a part of the process, that somehow someone either make it for us or, or somehow we would just figure it out. I assume that uh, most of you have at some point heard of the book or the idea of the paradox of choice. How many of you have heard of that concept? Great, so I'm working with three of you. That's good. Um, the paradox of choice is really this, uh, this idea in, um, 
modern psychology that, that basically says this, that if you have a few options, it's going to be easier for you than if you have multiple options. That you'll, in some way, experience less stress, less concern, and um, more happiness if you have limited options. So, for example, if you went into the grocery store and uh, you went up to the, let's say, peanut butter aisle, and I like peanut butter. So you go to the peanut butter aisle and you go, oh, I get to choose between Jif and Skippy. That's pretty easy. I like Jif. I don't like Skippy. I'll pick that one. And then I'm out the store, right? Generally what happens when you have limited number of choices is that we walk away going, wow, that wasn't very stressful. And I'm very happy with the choice I made. But if you're confronted with like 20 different types of peanut butter, there's natural peanut butter, there's kind of sort of natural peanut butter with like some sugar in it, then there's like peanut butter that's chunky and peanut butter that's semi-chunky but not too nutty, and then you have smooth peanut butter and then peanut butter that, you know, like has jelly in it, which is gross, and then you have, you know, like you have all these options, right? And you, you stand there and you go, what, what am I going to do? So it happened to me this summer, I went back to visit my parents, I grew up in Pennsylvania, um, my family had not been back to visit my parents in over nine years, and so we took my whole family back, and uh, my parents were thrilled that we were there, and so they decided to take us to this one place called Manning's Ice Cream. Now, Manning's Ice Cream uh, is just outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, and it has this like famous history because they built a farm out like 30 miles away from the city, and they raised cows, and then they milk the cows, and then they make their ice cream, and then they make their flavoring, and then they put it all together, and then they bring it into the city, and then they have like 40 options. And they're all homemade, and they're all like unique to them. Um, And so we went there, and uh, everybody's lining up trying to figure out what they're going to have, and I just started stressing out. Like, there, there are 40 options. Almost all of them look good except for like cotton candy which is what my daughter got. <laughs> All the rest look good. And so like I'm, try- I, like I'm mentally making note of, no, I don't want that one, not that one, maybe that one. Let's put that in the maybe column. That, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to take, and then I taste test like five, and then I uh, start to narrow it down even more. And I, I can sense that, like, man, I'm getting frustrated. I'm going to pick. And so I decided to pick two flavors on the same cone because they would do that, like part of this and part of that. And then... My first bite, I was like, oh, I don't know if I picked the right one. (laughs) Like, you ever have those moments where that's called the paradox of choice. You have so many options, and you just don't quite know what to do with it. We're faced with choices. And I think that for some of us, choices paralyze us. And here's why I'm going to surmise that they paralyze us. One, because we put way too much pressure on some of our decisions we make. We put way too much pressure, meaning this, like we think that the decision we're about to make will define the rest of our lives. Sometimes that may be the case. Most times, like what peanut butter you get, probably not. Probably won't define the rest of your life. Some decisions, so what you're seeing is some decisions have more weight than others, right? And then other decisions, less weight. Another thing that paralyzes us is that sometimes, especially within Christian circles, we wait for a unique sign from God. Now that comes, it's born out of a great heart, right? It's this desire to go, man, I, 
I want to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I want to follow His leading. That's beautiful. But sometimes we, like, overanalyze it again and again and again, and then we start to, like, wonder about every intuition we had, and then, like, ooh, my stomach kind of feels upset, and is that God, like, telling me to not make that choice, or was that the bean burrito I had earlier? I don't know. And so, like, we have all these, like, pressures, and so we become paralyzed. Another thing for some of us is that we just get really anxious. We have some anxiety related to making choices. I think that comes for a couple reasons, too. One, we want to be in some way regarded for our choice. Meaning, like, I want to know that the choice I made makes sense to all of you and that that you're okay with the choice I made. And so what ends up happening in a weird way is I start to make my choice not for myself or even the choice for what God wants. I start to make the choice for the group that I'm hoping to be regarded by. And so then I'm like, well, what are all you choosing? Oh, you're okay, I'll choose that too, right? And it suddenly becomes not necessarily something we're following into, and God's leading becomes something that we're just following along with. Or we try so hard to make the ideal choice for fear of picking the wrong thing. You have two great options. But if I pick this one, what if that was the right one? Or if I pick, you know, it's kind of like on those uh, game shows, you know? You could have door A or door B, and they pick door B, and you get like a goat. And door, you know, the other door was like a car. And then they hate the rest of their life. Right? Those, so we try to make the ideal choice. The last one is uh, that choice always involves loss. And for some people, that creates great anxiety. That choice always involves loss, right? So if you do choose option A and you get the car, that's great. But you didn't get a goat, right? And that could have been really sweet, too. There's other ways to look at it, right? But there's always loss. Like, I feel like this is a really good option, but if I choose that, then I'm going to lose out on these things. And if I choose this, well, then I'm going to lose out on these things. And so we become either paralyzed or we become over-anxious about choice. So this morning, what I want to do is look at a passage and then look at some principles or some quote-unquote proverbs throughout the book that give us insight on what does it look like to make wise choices. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. It's also going to be on the screen, verses 3 through 13. Proverbs 4, 3 through 13. And it says this, When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, quote, Let your heart hold fast my words. That idea of hold. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Wisdom. And she will keep you. Love her. And she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. 
Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. This idea of hold, hold fast to my words. That last phrase, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go, for she is your life. You'd see, if you kept reading throughout the book of Proverbs, you'd see it even throughout the Old Testament, this theme of holding on to instruction. Not letting go, grasping it, acquiring it. And it's a, it's a really interesting idea, but I think it's most interesting for me in this passage in verse 8. You might have kind of overlooked it as we were reading, but look down in verse 8 for a moment and it says this, Wisdom will honor you if you embrace her. Wisdom will honor you if you embrace her, if you hold her. Now, in the original language, I love this idea. In the original language, the word means cuddle. I like that. (laughs) To cuddle with wisdom. To get up close and personal. To snuggle. To hold tight to. That's the idea. That with wisdom, there should be in us this desire to like just cuddle up and say, I want to hold on to you because you are life, fullness, richness. That idea that Jesus talks about in the New Testament to have life and life to the full. And so this morning, when we desire to hold on to wisdom in order to make wise choices, I want to look at three types of wisdom. I want to look at worldly wisdom, proverbial wisdom, and then kingdom wisdom. So worldly wisdom. I need your help here for a moment. If you were to shout out, and I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to talk to a neighbor about it here in a minute, but if you were to shout out worldly wisdom advice that you would be given, it's not in the Scriptures, not found there, but on how to make wise choices. What would the world communicate? What would our culture communicate are good ways to make wise choices that would be independent of what we find in the teachings of Jesus? All right, so talk with your neighbor for 30 seconds, and then we'll shout out two, three, four different ideas, okay? Okay, we'll uh, we'll regather. Somebody, Somebody just shout out. What is some worldly advice you would be given, some cultural advice related to making wise choices that really is independent of the teachings of Scripture? Mary Rich. Rich. Good. Yes. Yes, definitely. Good. Someone else? Say that again. Hard work fixes everything. And then over here, pros and cons, trying to weigh out the balance between the two. Good. Yeah. Okay, listen to perspectives outside your own culture. Good. Someone said one over here. Yeah, do what's, uh, what's in your best interest. Don't worry about others. Just focus on yourself. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> that's, that's probably in here somewhere. Yeah. Any others jump out? Oh, totally. Live together before you get married. That way you'll figure out if you're compatible. You deserve it. Fake it till you make it. There's all kinds of advice related to how you make wise choices. 
Here's a couple that I uh, jotted down, and some of them are actually ones you already communicated. One would be trust yourself. Maybe you've heard this quote, trust your instincts and make judgments on what your heart tells you. The heart will not betray you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've probably heard that before. Solid. Solid advice right there. Here's another one that was mentioned, I think, over here. Do what works for you. In the end, you only answer to yourself, is the quote. Do what works for you. You know, forget everyone else. Only look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Here's another piece of wisdom. There is no right or wrong. Our good friend Deepak says this, If you obsess over whether you are making a right decision, you are basically assuming that the universe will reward you for one thing and punish you for another. The universe has no fixed agenda. Once you make any decision, it works around that decision. The the universe bends to you. It's beautiful. There is no right or wrong. Only a series of possibilities that shift with each thought, feeling, and action that you experience. Beautiful wisdom. The world is constantly communicating a certain type of wisdom. And honestly, for some of us, it kind of gets jumbled with proverbial wisdom. But there are times that we go, well, that actually sounds good. I, I, could, I wouldn't mind just making this decision all about me and not about anyone else. But then we would recognize that throughout the teachings of Scripture that that would not be the wise decision. So I want to just take a few moments to consider some proverbial wisdom. Wisdom straight from the Proverbs that relates to this idea of making wise choices. Number one, be suspicious of yourself. Be suspicious of yourself. The Proverbs say it this way, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And in another passage, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Here's the deal. We always think we're doing what's best. Just about all the time. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, Man, let me think about how I can just tank my life today. (laughs) Just going to destroy it with the choices I'm about to make. Now, generally, people don't do that. They wake up and they go, I'm going to live this day and I'm going to live it to its fullest. And... But then why do we make the kind of choices we make? We have to, at some level, be somewhat suspicious of ourselves. So in our decisions, we should carry a healthy amount of distrust. Don't just rely on your gut your intuition, your decision, your heart. Don't just follow that. Because if I look at my own life, here's the truth. I'm prone to pride. I'm prone to thinking my opinion's right. I'm prone to choosing an option that largely benefits me, maybe at the neglect of others. And maybe some of you might relate to that as well. That we generally focus inward. So I have a, a bit of healthy... Suspicion. Number two, if you're taking notes, avoid rash decisions. Avoid rash decisions. Passage in Proverbs makes this statement, The simple believes every word, but the prudent man considers well his steps. A man of wisdom considers well. A woman of wisdom considers the steps that are to be taken. Another Passage says, it's not going to be on the screen, but the plans of the diligent surely lead to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. 
The idea is if it's well thought out, if you don't make quick, just simple decisions, that if you think and mull over it a little bit, if you give it a little bit of time. So sleep on it. Think it through. In relationships, take your time. I mean, relationships, if, if you're headed toward being in a marriage ceremony, this is why we have these cool little... We had a wedding here yesterday. We'll have a wedding next Saturday here. It, it's like our 5,000th wedding at New Community. But if, if, if you are headed that direction, take your time. Right? I mean, this is a decision you're making for the rest of your life. There's wisdom in thinking it through. In purchases. If you're at the mall and it looks really great, you know, sleep on it. Check your bank statement first. Those kinds of things. If you're involved physically in intimacy with someone, go very, very, very slow. These are wise decisions. Decisions that I think we have to be not making hastily. Here's another proverbial wisdom. Do something. Do something. So the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Here's what I've noticed a bit in our culture of late. There is this uh, creation, I would say, of imagining or finding difficulties or hindrances to our path. So we say, well, I really want to do something, but man, there's all these, or as the verses, hedges of thorns in the way. Like, I can't possibly get to the thing that I really want because look at all these roadblocks that keep coming up. And the interesting thing is, most of the time, there are imagined roadblocks that allow for us to be lazy or inactive at some level. We want to have hedges. The sluggard goes, hey, there's, there's, man, there's so many boundaries, I should probably just sit here and wait. Maybe at some point it'll, they'll kind of, those hedges will just move or someone will mow them and then we can go where we need to go. But no. Like, these are not causes for inaction. They're not causes for us to say, like, no, I won't follow the mandates of Jesus. That I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I think the Proverbs is like, hey, do something. Be active. Here's a quote that I found interesting. Go marry someone, provided you're equally yoked and you actually like being with each other. Go get a job provided it's not wicked. Go live somewhere in something with somebody or nobody, but put aside the passivity and the quest for complete fulfillment and the perfectionism and the preoccupation with the future, and for God's sake, start making some decisions in your life. If you are seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you will be in God's will, so just go out and do something. Now, this is not a message that every single one of us in the room needs to hear, but it is a message that some of us need to hear. Get off your butt. Do something. Right? And each one of these Proverbs that we've been looking at are, are ones that, that it might resonate with you in a way that it doesn't resonate with someone else. And that one might resonate with you. And for others of you, yeah, like I'm, I need to probably do a little less things. That might be actually something for some of you. Let me give you another one that I would say actually relates to every single person in the room. When you're making a wise decision, 
invite others in. Invite others in. I think more than any other piece of advice, I would say this is the one that has the most profound implications on your life and demonstrates that you are at the height of wisdom. Invite others in. Let me put it this way. One of the greatest gifts that God has given His people is His people. Do you realize that? That's one of the greatest gifts that He's given us. Yes, He's given us salvation. Yes, He's given us His Spirit. But just just pause for a moment and think this. Just look in this room and consider the collective wisdom that is in this room. The combined life experience, the combined situations in life that you've walked through, the combined education, the combined knowledge, the combined, you name it, resources, giftings. Unbelievable. That's why you hear me say up here probably ad nauseum that I think we could actually change the city. Because if you look at the collective gifting and knowledge of this room, how could we not? How could we not? But invite others in. There's numerous passages. Here's a few on the screen. Uh, Where there is no guidance, people fail or fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. You want to know you're making a wise choice? You want to know you're making a safe choice? Find counselors. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against sound judgment. Make an isolated decision? Not sound. Not wise. Invite others in, and you are. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And last, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So I think God distributes His wisdom to people and then gives us the ability to access it through relationships. I think we have to invite in people that prize Jesus over everything else, and those are the people that we want to gain wisdom from. So let me give you a couple real practical things by what I mean by that. One, invite friends and family and small group into your life in a way where they help you make the decision, not where you tell them the decision you're going to make and then they kind of go, oh, I guess so, go for it. But rather, like, I need to know, this is what I'm leaning toward, but you tell me, and then there's this collective wisdom that happens when we communally discern something. Another one would be to, to think of it this way you might ask the questions, well, what are the things that I invite someone in for related to advice? And I would say, most of life. Maybe not peanut butter like we talked about before, but most, every other decision in life, I would say, you're better off making it in community. You're better off making it together. Here's another one. Invite people into your life that have gone through what you're going through. If you're about to go into something or you're currently in something, seek out people who have been there before. That's wise. They know what it felt like. They know how they've experienced it. They might have words of wisdom to share with you as you begin to go through it. And then a last little idea related to inviting others in is listen for the Spirit among those that you've invited. See, I believe very clearly that God, yes, communicates to us through His Word. But apart from that, in an occasional dream you might have here or there, or sometime when He wrote on the wall back in the Old Testament, 
I think the primary way He communicates His will, His desire, His plan for you is through the mouths of other people who also have the Spirit within them. So as I sit and talk with friends and I say, I don't know what to do with this decision. And they start to speak to me and I start hearing commonalities from many people. Not just one friend, but multiple friends. Then suddenly I go, man, it appears as if the Holy Spirit is saying this. It gives me such great confidence to walk into a decision knowing that the Spirit of God is using people to inform that decision. So that's proverbial wisdom. But I want to talk to you about one other form of wisdom that I would just kind of classify or characterize as kingdom wisdom. And I I want to share a bit of a story with you. Um, I think, hopefully, you've known that over seven years I try... Um, as I've been here, to live like an open book. That you can ask me any question, uh, what I'm experiencing, what's happening in life, and I won't give you a, some pat answer. I'm just going to tell you what's happening. So, it, it struck me this week, and life experience made me uh, think of this idea of kingdom wisdom. Um, this week, we found out that uh, over the last several weeks, there has been a man who has uh, been parking his truck near our home and has been taking pictures of my four-year-old daughter. And he has showed up on several occasions. Uh, he has at least on two occasions uh, taken pictures. Um, the neighborhood is kind of on high alert. They're, they're watching my wife, at three other occasions after that experience, has remembered or recalled at least three times in which his truck was parked either at our neighbor's directly looking at our lawn or right next to our front door. My daughter plays it almost every day after school, um, right either on the porch or in the grass in our front lawn, and he's parked right next to there. Um, this is a picture of my daughter, Evie, by the way. Yeah. So Evie's, Evie's four, and um, so it, just Thursday, right before small group, uh, my daughter's playing outside, and uh, he drove by again, and she saw him and ran inside and told us. And uh, you go, what do you do with that? How do you make wise choices when it comes to that? Because it's fine to talk about wise choices in the college that you made, or wise choices on what you had for dinner, or what you're going to do with the money in your bank account, or whatever. So needless to say, I was not okay with those circumstances, not really excited about what was happening to my family. Um, I went uh, out to lunch with uh, Leif. Leif is a missionary in our community. He and his wife live in Siberia when they're not here in Spokane, worshiping with us. And um, Leif snapped me back into perspective. I had just gotten done sharing, like, hey, this is something you could pray for. It's something that's kind of weighing heavy on my wife and our family. Um, and uh, so we got done with lunch, and uh, it was time to pray. I prayed for him and uh, his you know, plans to head back to Siberia. And then he's like, hey, can I pray for you really quick? I said, sure. And he started to pray, and at the very end of his prayer, he said, Lord, I, I don't know who this guy is, but we, we just ask that you would uh, help him come 
to know you, that you might change the desires and affections of his heart, that he would really stop being a creeper or whatever. Like, he was praying those kinds of things, and I said, Leif, I'm so grateful. So grateful you prayed that. So grateful that you changed my perspective, because I was just thinking, I want to find that asshole and kick his butt, is what I was thinking, honestly. That was the first thought that ran through my mind. So here's a piece of wisdom related to making wise choices. Always choose love. Always. Always choose love. If you've had someone wrong you, if you've had someone do something that uh, is completely, um, completely wrong, choose love. If you've had someone who seems to make your life a living hell and continues to do that again and again and again, choose love. If you've had experiences where you're afraid you'll never be able to forgive someone and you continue to wrestle with the pain that's been caused, I encourage you, a wise decision is to choose love. Certainly I want to find this guy and I want justice, but more than that, I want love and my prayers become, God, may you change his affections. May you give him pure motives. May you give him a heart for you. May you give him the grace that you've given me. But none of us are above needing grace. Same with this man. Your response toward people is one of the most important choices you'll ever make. Your response toward people is one of the most important choices you'll ever make. Let me give you a second one. Choose to redeem the city. Choose to redeem the city. In Proverbs, it says this, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Another phrase is, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. God says throughout His Word, in Proverbs and beyond, that He seeks and desires and wants us to pray for the shalom or the peace of the city. That in its peace, you will find peace, is what Jeremiah says. That as you bless the city, you will be blessed. As you love the city, you will be loved. As you take care of the city, you will be cared for, is the idea. So, listen, don't let, don't let fear dictate your decisions. Don't. It's a horrible way to live. Don't let evil win. Live into it. Live in the light. Choose to stay in the city. Choose to invest in the neighborhood. We've been there six years. By Lord's grace, we'll continue to be there. He may at some point ask us to move to a different part of the city, but He may not. And I'm fully content and want to continue to invest in our community. I would even go as far as to say, choose to move into the places that are often overlooked. What's it like to trust God enough to say, I'm, I'm willing to go where you asked me to go? To ask the question even, where are you asking me to go? Part of making wise choices is aligning our desires with the desires of God. And this is, I think, one way to do it. Last but not least, commit your plans and your life to the Lord, and you will be wise. You've probably heard this proverb, 
It says this, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Another version, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and He will establish your deeds. The idea of work there, the idea of... It's really the idea of commit everything, right? All that happens in your life, your decisions, your deeds, your actions, your activities, your thoughts, commit everything that you have, everything that you do to the Lord. Beyond that, the word in Hebrew literally means, for commit, means to roll onto. Okay, the idea behind it is simply this, to place the full weight of your life upon the Lord. So you could read it that way. Place the full weight of everything you do on the Lord. Full weight. Complete trust on the Lord. And then, if we were to read the rest of it, it would kind of say this. If you commit your full life, if you roll the full weight of your life onto the Lord, you will slowly become a person who makes wise choices. This is what the song, this particular proverb is saying. So you want to know how you become more wise. Do you know how to make a good choice? I would say commit your life fully to the Lord. And as you do, you will become more and more successful at making good plans. More and more successful at living as a kingdom person. More and more successful at knowing what you're supposed to do in life. Why? By committing your whole life to Him. And here's why. Here's why you should do that. Because Jesus is committed to you. None of us could fully, fully commit our whole life to the Lord. But there was one person who could, and one person who did, and it was Jesus, and he committed his whole life radically and completely to God, so much so that he was willing to say that I'll sacrifice and experience something for you I'd rather not, in order to give you the opportunity to have what you could attain no other way. And I think the Scriptures teach us that when we commit our life to Him who committed His life to us, that we suddenly qualify to be people who make wise choices. We suddenly qualify to be the kind of people that move into wisdom. So to the degree that you know, really know, really know, that what He has done for you has radically changed your life and that He's deeply committed to you, is the degree to which you'll be able to commit everything to Him. And it's my prayer that we will be the kind of people that can do that. Let me pray for us.